head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle, the hip-hop and anime and all that shit. And this week, gaming, we're talking about Deathloop. Deathloop. Bam, bam, PS5 bam, bam, exclusive. Bam, bam, bam. That's not actually a PS5 exclusive anymore. Deathloop. Um, first, can we, we have some remainders. I would like to say that in we're how many we're almost at a hundred episodes of doing this podcast, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we are. I think we're at ninety eight at this point. Yeah, we're close. ninety eight. Yeah, we're close. Think, we're coming up on it. Oh, we're on ninety nine. We're on ninety nine. We're on ninety nine. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so we're on ninety nine. Um, the closest we have ever come to getting hate mail on this podcast is the people who have written in sometimes with delayed reactions to your take on the episode about Donda. Where you sh- you spent like three minutes shitting all over my beautiful dark twisted face. <laughs> I, we people, I don't. People have texted me about this, <laughs> and there are a couple things. I, first of all, I want to say before Micah gets to say anything because this is Micah's take. I love my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Uh-huh. People, people constantly asking me. First of all yo, why didn't you check Micah? Like, that's such a wild take. He thinks my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is garbage. I'm going to keep it real with you. When Micah was saying that stuff at the top of the Donda app, I felt kind of like Jamie Foxx getting rocked by LL Cool J on the set of Any Given Sunday. <laughs> or like... Or, <laughs> it's just like, yo, we shit. got a game. We got a game. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I'm an actor. I act. Anybody hit me, they will get fired. <laughs> Or I felt like okay. Trevor Burbick getting rocked by Mike Tyson. Like I didn't know what to say. I tried to stand I'm up. I'm gonna for tell the you album. that I, will, I did come up, I did come in 
a little <laughs> hot, but I didn't say I didn't. I'm I'm. You came in like how deep? <laughs> I'm reasonably certain that I didn't call the album trash. I said that I never. I don't come back to it, save for a few songs. And I mean, like there's, I like there are few people that I know personally that are like running my beautiful dark twisted fantasy in the year of our Lord 2021. That is all that, like, that was the point that I was making. And sure, I said some other stuff around there. Like, you know, (laughs) some other stuff. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, I was hot at the prospect of having to discuss Donda at length. However, I'm going to stand on my, like, I'm going to stand in my truth that I do not run my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy back. Like, at all. Like, Devil in a New Dress is great. Blame game is great. Come on now. Okay, blame game is... Blame game is... Blame game is I. I mean, like, but Devil in a New Dress is a revelation. You can't even put those two... Like, it's it's a different... It's a different thing. Listen. Listen. You you and I are Yeezy and Rick Ross, so I I feel where you're coming from. Uh, I feel you. I feel you. I mean, what's, what else from the... So, anyway, stop saying us hate mail about my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I love the album. Um, I even like Donda <laughs> at this point, initially. Stop sending us hate mail about um, It's just, like, you know, it's... We are at an impasse. Uh, uh, yeah. We're at an impasse. <laughs> Sorry, Yo, guys. I, yeah. Um, also, th- I want to say, like, I, this is, such is the nature of the listenership for this podcast. I think I ended this sort of last week's episode asking people to help me with like vector math for a programming project I'm doing. And somebody legit wrote in and they were like, I will teach you vector calculus. I'm like, damn, bro, we have the best listenership on this network. I'm going to hit you back after we finish taping today because I'm seriously going to take you up on that offer. Um, So anyway, yeah, this week. First of all, and this is tough, right? Talking about gaming is tough when we're talking about PS5 stuff. Because again, people, you people know, don't have like, yet. Yeah, I feel, I feel horrible. Like, you know, I feel guilty. I'm sorry, you know, dog. You know, I'm sorry if you don't have one. I'm sorry that you it's that you gotta walk around in a city that's revoked all your passes, dog. You know, I'm sorry that like you know your investments is drying up. I'm sorry you got that the happy. like you know. Yo, also, I'll say I find that I, I mentioned this last episode. I was writing, I was reporting a story about the PlayStation Five, about the controller specifically, and the the rumble, like haptic feedback in it. Go read that on the ringer.com. It's super long. It took a lot of work. I talked to Sony. I talked to other people in the industry. It's a good piece about a really great video game controller, uh, but also about like controllers in general. Instead of going all the way back to like the rumble pack on the Nintendo sixty four, old millennials will know. Uh, what else? I say before we get into Deathloop, I had this thought, Micah, that 99 mm-hmm. episodes into this podcast, we have never established like a spoiler policy for anything. We just spoil shit on this show. No yeah. one's ever complained about it either, I don't think. No one's ever written into the show or I haven't seen a comment anywhere that's like, yo, these they just spoiled. People do that on the website all the time. Well, I mean, like, I like to think the listeners of this podcast are like kindred spirits and that like yeah despite me like telling you what happens in such and such a thing 
you still going to have to see it to under, like, I mean, like to experience it for yourself. Like there's a, there's me telling you about it and there's you experiencing it. I mean, like, and if you have art ruined for you because of uh, plot, you know, then, uh, you know, that's, you're, you're probably a little bit poorer for it. No, well, I no, I think that's definitely a taste thing. Like, I definitely get the sort of person, like, I'm the sort of person who, like, if you tell me how a book ends, that's just probably going to make me more interested in reading the book for myself, right? But I totally get the kind of person who's like, if you tell them big plot things in the book, that deflates rather than inflates their interest in it. So I get it. But I think the policy is this is a podcast where we spoil shit and in general, unless otherwise noted, we're talking about Deathloop. And the thing is, like, I, I've definitely, I've beaten it a few times over. Have you finished playing it, Micah? No. I mean, like, this is, and I and I mean, I'm still going to, you know, I, I despite us having, we're going to have this conversation, you're going to tell me about things that I haven't done yet, and then I'm probably going to go do them because it's very satisfying. Like, it's like, Deathloop is, like, the experience of kind of, have you ever like had something like something that you've had to troubleshoot in your house and like you've never done it before and then you're frustrated for like an hour trying to do it and then you then you just give in and you google it and then it's such a quick fix that it's like really satisfying and you're just like yeah. oh I can do this yeah. a million mm -hmm. times over it's it's like satisfying yeah. like killing one of the visionaries is like twisting a really difficult bottle pickle jar cap off or something yeah. Oh, just like a jar of... Oh, man, that's good. That's good. Let's explain who the visionaries are. Let's explain the basic setup. Of yeah, let's Death back Loop. up. You, yeah. you go for it. Okay, yeah. so... Okay. Uh, Deathloop. Deathloop. You are Colt. You have a really cool jacket and bitching brown leather racing gloves, and you wake up on a beach uh, in the morning surrounded by bottles, and you make your way into the tunnels past a radio that's playing a song that you notice is like kind of familiar and a little weird and spaced out. But you go into the tunnels, you go past everything and you, it, you, you basically figure out um, like over the course of like your first mission that you are trapped on an island where time, where basically it's like Groundhog Day, but you know, just located on this strange uh, island in the middle of nowhere. Um, right. And your objective is to hunt down and kill nine people that basically control the, um, I guess, like the temporal laws, the, the structural laws of this island. Like they can kind of mess with them uh, and mess with time mess with uh, the loop which uh, you find out is like the the thing that you need to break also the thing that these nine people are trying to maintain I, I would switch that around a bit it's just that your main objective is to break the loop and it's yeah. it's more so that's the thing that's sort of set up in the beginning and then you work backward to oh the loop is sort of upheld by these visionaries by these other people on the island yeah yeah it's basically starting your way on the beach and killing your way towards the center um to uncover the mystery that will allow you to eventually leave the island. But in order to do that, you need to, like I said, 
kill all these people, collect a bunch of stuff, and uh, I mean, like live like a a bunch of like a, a like for a long time on this island. Like a, a lot of trial and error has to happen. Basically, the game is a lot of going from one place to another, collecting information and returning back to the other place. Yeah, and it's like the main benefit you have, we can get into like the magical powers and crap in a second, but I feel like the main power you have in the game is information, right? Because it's sort of, you're living this day out, you live the day out in phases, morning, noon, afternoon, evening, the day resets, you're always back at the beginning of the previous day, if you make it to the end of the day, if you die at any point, you just start the day over again. Um, and everything kind of resets except for Colt's knowledge or well, the player's knowledge, but also even Colt's knowledge in the game of certain things. Like maybe he discovers a passcode to a door and then he dies. When he wakes up again on the same day and relives the day, he'll at least remember the passcode to that door. Yeah. Also, you get to keep a few of your of your smaller arms, uh, and like yeah. more, and you know, a few of your bigger arms as the game goes on. But the thing is that we were what we were texting about uh, the other day is that like you start the game pretty overpowered. Like once you have the machete, you can pretty much do anything. Um. <laughs> so I mean, really, like the. Uh, the the joy in the game is like in play, like playing it like it was a puzzle. Um, like the stealth elements of the game are, I guess, like not as important as you would initially think, based on like the trailers and like the initial gameplay. Yeah, and in footage. fact, so l- the previous episode we started by talking about an early review of Deathloop, where the review it was like a it was a rare sort of pan of the game, and the reviewer was sort of frustrated. He was like. I don't know that it feels like the the combat is really shaggy or, you know, it's just like you can't really do that much interesting stealth stuff and the combat is a little shaggy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you play the game and it's like, oh, I feel like there's a difference, right? So the studio that made Deathloop um, is Arcane, right? And they made, they make Dishonored. They made Dishonored 2. They made Prey and they made, uh, I guess, the latest of the the Wolfenstein games, right? And I think a lot of people went into this game thinking that it was going to play a bit more like stealthy, you know, kind of survival type game. When I actually think that you, there's a point where you realize that you need to play this game more like it's a Wolfenstein game. You need to, like, to your point about the machete, you need to, you can't do the whole solid snake creeping around. You gotta no, chain you gotta, machete kills. Yeah, it's yeah, like, the, you, just you gotta, gotta run sprint up on through. So, yeah, it's just like sprint through and chain machete kills. Like, yeah, I mean, like, it seems, it's stylized, it seemed as though it would be, like, styled after, like, a stealth game. Uh, you know, like, Colt's jacket initially is just kind of like this brown leather racer that, looks like 70s revivalist espionage type stuff and he's ducking a sniper like in the in yeah. the original trailer but then like you kind of start playing the game and you realize how goofy and stupid the jacket actually looks because it's got all these <laughs> dumb buttons and pins and like a hood on it and stuff like yeah. it's like extra loud and like he says at the beginning colt says at the beginning of the game he's just like i like like it's just like i he likes going in heavy 
Like, and yeah. the game almost like encourages you to like take the quieter option most of the time, but it really yeah. doesn't do anything but waste your time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Agree. And I think the the faster you succumb to just playing it like it's Wolf, Wolfenstein and you're BJ Blazkowicz, I think the the faster you'll have fun after picking it up. Um, so you've explained the visionaries, you explain the basic thing. And it's sort of, I think that there's a brilliance in the fact that the setup is very, I think some of the talking in the beginning of the game is convoluted. The setup is simple enough. The loop is simple enough. A lot of this is communicated to you by your rival in the game, Juliana. Uh, and I, I feel like a lot of the, the charm of this game is in the interactions between Colt and Juliana uh, their voice actors are doing a lot of, of work. They're doing a lot of acting, act, acting, acting, as they Jamie act. Fox again yeah. pronounced. They act. They, they act. act. Yeah. Um, uh, they, I, although I can see how it might be grating to some people. I, I think the performances do a lot to sort of enliven this game, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. Really, like, I, I mean, like it is Juliana. fun. It's like, I mean, because it's like, Playing uh, a video game as Black Dynamite, <laughs> it's like yeah, a little, yeah, yeah. It's it's just very kind <laughs> of like his voice is just very goofy and gruff and like he only speaks in absolutes. And their banter is like you know between there's that of like you know an oaf and a jilted lover. <laughs> so it's like fun and like I think it's more fun than it's grating. Like, yeah, I, I also I'm only realizing this in real time. You know, Juliana is like, it's like Hana, <laughs> our former editor, oh, Hana wow. Kyogi. Yo, it's kind of like, it's kind of like having a conversation with Hana is what Colt and Juliana's dynamic is like, frankly. It's just kind of like, yeah, you're, Where you're she's just, just like around so cutting, doing 350 <laughs> word sentences. And, you know, then she's just kind of like, oh. Hannah's on the scene and you got to make your way for the exit before she comes and shoots you down. Be like, all right, you got to take all this out, brother. Your editor, your editor shows up talking about some deadline. You're like, oh man, I lost my hearing the other day. I can't, will you say? Um, I don't know. Death loop. I feel like, okay. Juliana is the one work, walking you through what even is going on on the island. Why are you stuck in this time loop? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Coughing and out all the these acronyms. Yes, acronyms. The setup isn't just okay. You have to, you have to kill these video game bosses in order to beat the game. The point is more so that, like you know, like I mentioned before, the the game is broken into morning, noon, afternoon, evening, and you could theoretically go and kill any one of the visionaries, like straightforwardly, because they all have different places they are at certain times of day, right? So you can be like, okay, at noon. Uh, I'm gonna go to uh, I forget the name of the place where Fia is, but I can, I'm a, I'm gonna go to Fia's crib and I'm a I'm a box Fia in the ears and knock her <laughs> off the hit list. And you could do that. The problem though is that if you do that, that means you didn't spend that time of day killing someone else, and you only have four times of day, and yet you have to knock off seven visionaries. And so the basically oh the, yeah, I was saying the nine actual challenge of the game seven right. So the challenge of the game isn't just, okay, how do you beat each of these, each of these opponents? It's how, 
with four phases of the day, do you kill seven of them? And that's that's sort of what you're doing, and that's sort of why you relive the same day, and that's kind of what you're trying to piece together, and that's why it matters that your main your main advantage in Deathloop is information, right? It's that, okay, over time, you're learning that, okay, this person's here in the morning, and if I do something to their day, I can, I can make them, instead of doing a thing they would be doing in the afternoon, fuck that up so that in the evening, they go to this party that happens every evening on, the, on that day, right? Yeah, like steal Frank's That's fireworks from the depot so that he has to meet up with <laughs> Professor Wingy and then you can get both of them motherfuckers at the same place. <laughs> and then you go right. like like and then like eventually like I think early on you learn that all of the regions of the map, like the four areas, are like actually connected by tunnels or on foot. Um like so yeah, I mean like really it is just kind of learning things, moving things around so as to pin them into one place so that you don't have to do so much work. Right. Okay. So I feel like we set up the main information here. Let's take a break. We'll come back and talk through our respective plays of this game. And then I think what, I don't know, what we both like about it and what I think other people find frustrating about it. And I think more general ideas about what it means for this kind of game to have that kind of open-ended gameplay. Um, Yeah, after the break. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Micah, where okay, what is the last few things you have done in Deathloop? So I can get a sense of where you're at. Um, let's see. I most recently knocked off the which one which which visionary is the one with the with the fox head? The Alexis. Alexis. Yeah, um, the party, the party tech billionaire bro alexis yeah the party tech billionaire bro but i haven't figured out how to get um but i haven't done enough to get enough people into alexis's party okay um yeah but you've killed have you killed have you at least killed everyone individually yes i've killed everyone individually okay 
Okay. It's very gratifying. I think there's one part that I think is kind of a slog, but it's, I think it's very gratifying once you, it's in the spirit of what you were saying about twisting the top off a pickle jar. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because like it's because once you start to figure out how to bring them together. Yeah. Like to be honest, uh, the thing that is a little bit cheap about this game is that the patrols don't change much when you die. Um, so like you can kind of, you kind of already know what areas of the map are going to have how many enemies in them. Um, if you've done it once or twice. So going back through it is like very satisfying and it feels very much like, um, you've seen Edge of Tomorrow, right? You know, like, uh, Oh, okay. Well, like Tom Cruise's character is like a total squib at the beginning of the game. He's just fucking food for these like aliens. But like he has, he touches some sort of magical thing that makes it so that he repeats the same day over and over and over and over. So like he starts out like green as they come, but by the end, him and Emily Blunt are neck and neck. We're like, you know, Terminator one and two. Like, and that's basically what you feel like by like you know third playthrough of any one of these maps right so your point about the patrols is interesting because i think that's a huge thing i've seen in criticism of the game is i think one of the main complaints is that the ai is kind of stupid and i think that's true definitely in the beginning and i definitely the way i'd put it is especially when you start a day. I, I, I have a feeling that the difficulty is adaptive and that the AI is kind of based on how far you've gotten in a particular day. Because, yeah, when you start, wherever you start in the morning, it, it feels like you can kind of just walk through wherever you want to. Um, and even areas that are marked as difficult, like the library, it's sort of like not that hard. But I remember the first time I got to Alexis's party, it's like the... it's. I feel like the rules are different because I think, for instance, with Alexis's party, it's the one area of any map where there are infinitely spawning enemies, I think. Because like yeah. you can, no, you can try it to is... just walk up in there and you will get destroyed if you yeah. try to walk into Alexis's party and just find him all willy-nilly. Like, you will just get destroyed by 100 people descending on you. Um, Which brings us and to then the you turrets. Have, like, which are like oh the really, turrets, bro! I love a good the, turret. The, I love a good the, turret. Friendly turret the turrets in a game. are Ooh. are like really. You know, I hate having to hack them from behind cover because it's really difficult to get the timing right. Like the, yeah. I mean, like because it's just like you're right there. You've almost you've almost commandeered it, <laughs> and then it just starts pecking you in the face with bullets. <laughs> so it's just like I. But yeah, I mean, like, but then once you have one, you you deploy one at this door, then go around and deploy one at the other door, then set one up in the middle of the room, and then you just walk away and then come in with the machete and finish off who's ever slept. Yo, I will say, so I should clarify, by the way, I have not played Dishonored, uh, which is like the most popular of all the arcane games, I feel like. I've played a lot of Prey, including the, the Prey Moon Crash DLC. Prey has, like... It, the, the turrets in Deathloop are basically like the turrets in Prey, right? Like, there is a special joy one takes in hacking them and then positioning them around the map in, su- in ways such that you can basically lock an entire room down 
because there's just no way that an AI, even if it were smarter than it is, could respond to being shot at from six different directions, right? Um, yeah. That to me is the the tickling of the sort of you know you're troubleshooting a problem in your kitchen, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like yeah. turret setups in the game. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, it's stuff like that. Like I don't know. I think the AI. I think the enemies in the game are... This is true with Wolfenstein, too, right? If you take any particular enemy in one of the new Wolfenstein games, they're not that intelligent. But the game... like Those games mostly work on saying, yeah, but you have to fight 25 of them at one time. I think if there's a problem with with Deathloop is that at most you maybe have to fight eight of them. You know, outside of Alexis's party, right? They're you kind of wish there were more enemies that the AI was going to be that dumb. Even when it starts getting harder, you kind of wish that they just made it really unfair. Yeah. Especially if you have turrets, the turrets can just kill them. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. They got to ramp that up. They got to ramp difficulty up. And it's like, they, they like, they're like, we were talking about how dumb this AI is. Like, as in I, before, like, like, not too long before we got on to record this podcast, set up a turret outside of an air hangar and watched as not one, but two enemies walked up to it and tried to turn it off and got shot instead of like trying to shoot it or blow it up. <laughs> yeah. Wait, okay. But to compensate for the AI in this game, there's a, there's a mechanic whereby you can, instead of playing as Colt, you can play as Juliana, right? And you can essentially, it's sort of like an asymmetric PvP where you can invade another player's game. Yeah, and part of the, even just playing as Colt in the main storyline, right? Part of what's happening is while you're doing, you know, you might be on your way to kill a visionary who's always in a specific place at a specific time. And uh, another player, right, over network, right? Or else they might be controlled by the AI if you're playing offline. Uh, invades your game basically is Juliana, and so that adds an objective of like Juliana will lock the tunnel so that even if you you could kill whoever you're there to kill, but you can't leave the level until you um, disable her radar jamming, and then ideally you also want to track her down and kill her, right? Um, and so that that kind of is one way the game tries to spice it up a little bit is by giving you an opponent who is not AI controlled at all, and it's in fact. Uh, another player on the network. And then it, it it's kind of weird, right? Because it's asymmetrical. So the cult player is somebody who's literally, they're trying to beat the game, right? They're in the middle of playing the main campaign storyline. And like, if they die, that fucks up their loop and they have to start the day over again. Whereas the person playing is Juliana, they're kind of just trolling, right? Like that's all they're doing. If you're playing as Juliana, you're not playing a story mode. You're just there to do the the storyline invasion stuff. Yeah. Which I actually kind of like. I like that's such a weird idea and is the, the kind of thing that if someone described it to you, you'd be like, everyone's going to complain about how unfair this is. It's not developed well enough to be like a proper competitive multiplayer. But I kind of like that. I, it, it's kind of janky and it's not, it doesn't feel professional. It doesn't feel competitive. But I, I like it for that reason. Um, it's just to throw you for a loop. That in the middle yeah. of playing the game, you got to fight off somebody on yeah, the network. Yeah, I mean, like it's just Juliana. kind of like you're in the middle of 
you know, mowing down this field of enemies or whatever. And then all of a sudden you got the Chiron coming across saying the one and the only Juliana is on the scene. And then it's just and kind she has of a like, sniper rifle, the, unlike yeah, you, probably. she's got a sniper it's, rifle. Yeah. And you got like the immediate fight or flight thing because you're obje- like the thing, the orange, uh, you know, diamond on on the on the heads up display, like indicating where your objective is, is like then instead of being at like you know the warehouse or the depot or the bay is like the exit. Like so, yeah. it's just yeah, you got to make it there quickly. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is a thing. There's something about this game. It does feel a little small, right? Because it's sort of the maps. It's like you get four maps. You're playing this time loop. The stuff that you have to do on the maps is relatively limited. I feel like I've seen a lot of complaints about this game on balance being, feeling small, especially compared to something like Prey, right? And I, you didn't play Prey, right? So specifically Prey, like the Moon Crash DLC for Prey, like Moon, like DLC is something that's usually kind of slight and feels kind of like tacked on. Whereas the Moon Crash DLC for Prey kind of engages with similar ideas to what Deathloop is doing, where the point of Prey Moon Crash is you have to, you're not just trying to beat a game. You're trying to, you're trying to plot out a specific progression of events that you need to do. And pulling off that sequence is actually, it turns out to be really complicated and you need a lot of foresight, but it's also really open-ended. And I feel like the problem with Deathloop, and you're not there yet, is that for all of the sense of like, you feel so good when you're like, oh, okay, it's not enough to kill Winji. You have to figure out, is this the time of day that I really want to kill Winji? Do I need to be killing someone else? And then I need to figure out how to meet Winji later to kill Winji. And that's all well and good. You will find, though, as you converge toward the ending, that the game, the game's kind of wrong for you. And there's actually only one sequence of events that will allow you to beat the game, which feels kind of contrary to the spirit of the game. Huh. Okay. Like, you'll figure it out over time what exactly you need to do, but you would sort of imagine with this kind of game that, like, it culminates in you being able to do it in an open-ended way. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you kind of want it to be, you kind of want it to be a little bit more like Hitman 3, as in, like, there's three or four ways that you can clear this level. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that ultimately does, is a little bit of a bummer, but, like it would still be satisfying to solve a Rubik's cube, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's one solution to the Rubik's cube. It's just that. Right. Um, And it's funny because while I was playing it, uh, I mean, I'm still playing it, but while I was really sort of in the thick of trying to figure out the one sequence of events that will allow you to break the loop, if you so desire, uh, I kept thinking about Hitman, which I've never played and which I feel like you've talked about a decent amount on this podcast. And I don't know, like this game, Deathloop's really resonating with me. Is that an indication that I should play one of the Hitman games? And if so, which one? Because I couldn't remember whether you said positive things about Hitman 3. It'll be a very different experience. It'll be like a really, it'll be a very different experience um, in that it'll be much slower and much more patient. There's much more walking around and information gathering. And the more people you kill, the worse you're doing when you're playing hitman <laughs> like you have, because like you like because every person like the bodies don't disappear like they do in death loop like the like when you kill people you create bodies and you then have to hide those bodies and eventually you run out of ice boxes armoires and uh you know 
laundry bins to put them in and people go <laughs> looking around in these things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like when people go missing from, from patrols, that alerts other people in the patrol depending, depending upon how high the difficulty set. Like, I think that you'd enjoy Hitman. It's just but not going to be... You should play Hitman 3. Three, okay. You should play Hitman 3. Why 3? There are like seven three, Hitman games. Why 3? Three is because like three is the one that's on, you know, these next gen systems. It collects um, levels from Hitman 2 and is his Hitman Blood Money on there too? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, like it collects like a few like volumes of maps onto like the the Hitman 3 engine on the next-gen system. And, okay. I mean, like, it's meant to be sort of, like, an introduction for, like, a, it's, it's meant to be trying to capture a new fan base because, like, the last Hitman game was however long ago um, prior to Hitman 3. So, and, I mean, it's just fun to play. Like, I think, you, I think you'd enjoy it. Okay, I bet. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I like that we've come full circle from discussing a review of a game I hadn't played and really enjoying how much of a hateration it was to again, I feel like I feel like I understand where that reviewer at Ars Technica was coming from in the review we talked about last week. But I it's one of those games where it's like, oh, people who've played other games from this studio are ma like I feel like I see this all the time in video games where you know the meme about person who's only seen Boss Baby and, like reads the Odyssey and they're like, I'm getting a lot of Boss Baby vibes from this. It's sort of like <laughs> there's some games that become that. Like Dark Souls is the ultimate example, right? Of like any game that's difficult, but difficult in a way that's different from how Dark Souls is difficult frustrates anyone who loves Dark Souls. And, and their, their caveat is always like, well, I, it's not that I'm bad at games. I love Dark Souls. And it's like, well, yeah, but you need to open your mind to the idea that just because a game isn't Dark Souls doesn't mean that it can't do its own version of difficulty. And I feel like that's kind of, that might be what's going on with Deathloop, is people are like, why isn't this game Dishonored? And it's like, well, it's not Dishonored because they would have made Dishonored 3 if they wanted to make Dishonored 3, but they made Deathloop, which is a different game. That's my take. I think it's pretty good. I'm old, so I don't mind that it's short. You know, this Deathloop, I have it, this is, this is the take from somebody who has not played any Dishonored games, but Deathloop is like Dishonored with no Dynamite, you know? Like the, like the, how they have like the Alpines and their Dynamite, the trunk rattles or whatever. It's kind of like janky. Oh. <laughs> but it's still fun because it's loud. <laughs> it's loud. It's, I mean, it's pretty loud, bro. That party is lit. The party in the evening, the, the damn evening party. Listen. Some turrets, get you some turrets, hack you some turrets. Uh, I think that's all we got this week. Um, email us about Deathloop if you've played it, about the PS5, look, or email us if you're still struggling to get a PS5. I feel like our listeners, if any podcast fan base in all of has listeners that can kind is, of like help you hack that, they figured it they, out. They, yeah, there's yeah, got to be some people already. I believe, and we people. would we would love to forward that to y'all, man. You know, if we can, if we if we got somebody out there that can help you, we're almost to episode one hundred, man. It's next week, next episode, episode one hundred. 
It's the rock. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's 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 yeah, man. We did a we did a hundred of these, a hundred and things. You know, it's just um, this podcast is so expansive and eclectic and nonchalant and all the other ti eleven letter words you can think of. Esoteric. Cover a lot of stuff in this podcast. Um, that's the thing. It's like I feel like we have a good niche of stuff that we talk about on this podcast, despite the fact that we kind of hop back and forth between talking about a Kanye rollout and a video game and anime boobies and you know what I mean? Like I think it's a it's a it's a vibe. I think listeners will agree that this is a I don't know, we got a mandate. We got a mandate for change. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. I don't know how to put it. We cut we talk a lot of shit about a lot of shit. That's yeah. the theme. That's actually the podcast. Yeah, we just that's actually what the tagline <laughs> should be. Talking a lot of shit about a lot of shit. We talk a lot of shit about a lot of shit. Um and we're gonna keep talking that shit. We're gonna keep doing it too. We gonna we gonna keep on keeping on. So yeah, write in uh soundonlypod at gmail.com. We don't even know what we're talking about for our hundredth episode. I feel like we should do some sort of special theme thing, but it's like, look, the cowboy bebop, like we want to do more prep for that that's close to the Netflix live adaptation stuff. I'm trying to, you know what I mean? It's like I don't know what a what is a good, very special episode of sound only. You know we keep inundating y'all with mailbag episodes whenever we sort of get <laughs> whenever we got a like yeah yeah. But what's a good we very special episode? Mark something, I, you know? Yeah, I don't email know. us Maybe that. We'll what just... are the very special? It doesn't even have to be for the hundredth, but like it would be nice to know people who have rocked with us this whole time. What is yeah? A, I mean, what like, is the do very you want special a close episode? dissection of like Black Knight? You know. The, the, the no, the Martin, Martin Lawrence, Lawrence Black Knight. Oh, there you must know, be two Black Knights. You... you mean the Martin Lawrence one? We could do it. Yeah, I remember yeah, vividly I, seeing like, it in mean, theaters with my mom. You know, I'm just saying, like you know, okay. we could do that. I this. We really should uh, do Rush Hour too, but we should do Rush Hour too. We should do Rush Hour too. So we should actually talk should about. But listeners, soundonlypod at gmail.com. Write into us. Tell us what you want to hear about. I'm Justin Charity, and I'm Michael Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. We will see y'all next week for our 100th episode. Peace. Peace.